The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Courtney Betty is here from Betty's Law. Vas Bednar, Executive Director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Jerry Agar, host of the Jerry Agar Show. Happy Friday to everyone. It definitely doesn't hold up as a debatable, but I know some people still have thoughts about the verdict yesterday in the trial of the man who ran down uh, five people and killed four. Um, Jerry, I'll start with you. I'm getting a lot of texts from people who are mad about the fact that the trial took so long and it was six hours that the jury had to deliberate. But the fact of the matter (laughs) is when somebody chooses to plead not guilty, it doesn't matter how much evidence there is, you've got to marshal it all in court. Sure, but I wasn't at almost a certainty that this would be the outcome. Sure. Okay. I mean, uh, you pled not guilty, but it just seemed like uh, where was any kind of compelling evidence that it was somebody else? Yeah. So I would have been shocked had it been not guilty. Oh, I would have been absolutely shocked if it was even manslaughter. Courtney, Betty, let me come to you. I mean, the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter. You can have overwhelming evidence against a person. If they plead not guilty, then you've got to actually run your case very carefully to make sure nothing goes wrong. Well, well, John, once the issue of whether insanity was going to be a defense, once that was removed, um, there's no chance that there was going to be anything else except for a guilty verdict. <laughs> and uh, It's interesting. Your listeners think that uh, six hours is a, is a long time for a, verdict to return, for a jury to return a verdict. In my experience, it's actually a very short time and a quick return. Yeah, no, I think what one of the textures was arguing was that six hours was short, and it's because everybody already knew from opening arguments where this was going. But uh, your thoughts, Fast Bednar? I mean, we've touched on this before as a panel. I think the defense was trying to make this sort of interesting argument around culpability to say because of the platforms and media that was starting to influence this person's thinking, you know, it led them to be more radicalized and have these, you know, ideas and act out on them. Uh, obviously, that didn't hold, but that is certainly part of what happened here, but it's not what uh, killed this family. Uh, meanwhile, death of a homeless man in Mississauga has prompted outrage. As a matter of fact, it prompted Patrick Brown, who's the mayor of Brampton, to go to Mississauga yesterday. Courtney Betty, you signaled that you were particularly passionate about this topic this morning. Yeah, John, this is just, it's, 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 it's unacceptable. Like, we have to do better in, the, in our city, in the GTA. We've got a homeless issue. We've got a refugee issue. And I just don't feel that our leaders are taking this seriously enough. And the end result is winter is coming. We're going to end up having other people dying in our streets. It is preventable. So we keep on saying, hey, this is a wake-up call. Well, hopefully it will be. Yeah, I agree with you, Courtney. And Vas Bedner, I'll turn to you. It's a wake-up call, but everybody still seems to be in bed. <laughs> well, it's almost like we're we're a little bit stingy with our social supports here. We're sort of reminding people we're like, well, we have X amount of spaces, but we need Y. 
And that's where we're kind of, you know, the Spider-Man gif of pointing at each other, trying to figure out what order of government is going to support the expansion of these spaces so that we can properly support these people, not just on their housing journey, but on broader kind of recovery and mental health journeys. Jerry, the latest death was in Mississauga, but I mean, we see proof of just how overwhelming this refugee crisis is every day when we leave our studios. Sure, of course we do. And it's not hard to figure out what level of government is responsible. It's the federal government. I mean, uh, what they have done is brought in refugees and said, look at us. I mean, the prime minister even will go to the airport and make himself look good as uh, he welcomes people into the country with no plan at all. Look after those people. That's like me saying, well, I'll help you. And then I send them over to your house, John, until there's more people who can fit in your house and, and expecting you to pony up the money to fix the problem. This is a federal government problem and they're not doing anything to fix it. And they're dumping it on uh, on cities. It's it's unconscionable. Speaking of the feds, we're going to send them all, oh, go ahead, send go them ahead. all to John. Send them all to John's house. But that's exactly what's happening, Jerry. There, the churches and other groups are out there. Communities are out there wanting to help, but there's not a partnership created with government to give them the resources. And and that's the troubling part. There are people that want to contribute, and there's no mobilization effort ta- taking place and resources at the political level. Okay, but it's exclusively, Courtney, a federal problem. Feds, I'm, with, I'm in yeah. agreement with you today, Jerry. We're in agreement today. There we go. Yeah, that's happening more and more. You're coming around. <laughs> I know. That's sad. <laughs> a judge yesterday ruled that the federal government's ban on plastics was too wide ranging. Now, it's very easy to assume perhaps this judge was acting outside of her margins and another judge will shut it down or an appeal court judge will shut it down. Courtney, I'll start with you. Um, she did say, and it makes a great deal of sense. I mean, the feds banned a whole bunch of plastics, declared them to be toxic and never managed to prove the case that they were necessarily all toxic. Well, that, that's the challenge on the part of the federal government. The decision is correct. I just find it interesting that it was bought by the plastic manufacturers. And I think the government just has to go back and look at specific situations that contribute to the toxicity and then make a decision and find some rationale as to why um, those products should be banned. I mean, eventually we've got to get there. This is just a pause along the way, I think. Vaz Bednar, your thoughts? Is Vaz there? Did she mute herself? Did she fall off the grid? All right, well, let's find Vaz, because she's got great audio quality today. I was enjoying that. Jerry. Well, you you mentioned that maybe the judge is operating outside her margins. The decision was the federal government is operating outside its margins. And I think there's been a lot of that. So uh, when it comes to the use or non-use of a product, I'm much more favorable toward the carrot than the stick. Instead of just banning things, why don't you work hard to find something uh, that is a reasonable replacement? I'm not addicted to the plastic straw. I just think the paper straw doesn't work. So come up with something that works. Yeah, but, you know, the example I keep raising is up until this ban, my Chinese delivery people were using black plastic, which can't even go in the recycling bin. It has to go to the dump. And as soon as the ban came in, they switched over to the white stuff. Okay. And what happens to that? That stuff apparently goes to the recyclers. What's it made out of? 
It's well, not all plastics are banned. Okay. Well, yeah, we, yeah, but, we're but, increasingly made of plastics, yeah, which I think is it's something. In our to, you know, it's in our bodies. It's uh, can be passed on to babies when they're breastfed. So there's this like macro supply chain of plastics, which I'm glad we're talking about in terms of where does where does our current plastic go? But it's also winding up in our food and in our water and in our bodies. And I think that's what maybe this ban was trying to get closer to just protecting people and animals and ecosystems. I'm increasingly made up of metal. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Can you uh, go through airport security now unmolested? You know what you have to do? The, last, I, I, the very first time I had to do it, my brother said, you got to alert them. So as I'm walking up and they you know, like go through here and I, and I pointed at my knee and I said, um, knee replacement. And she says, oh, you're going to have to go with this guy. And behind me, a voice goes, where are we going? And I turn around and a guy in shorts with two big scars on his knees was standing behind me. <laughs> and they're so used to it. It's not really an issue at the airport. You oh, just have to tell them. Yeah, yeah no, I enjoy my pat downs actually do you um <laughs> so the education minister is going to join us this morning at 8 20 and uh yesterday Stephen lecce announced that ontario education workers are going to get salary increases and vas bednar you know i'll probably ask him the same thing i asked the labor minister the other day i agree in paying these people more but the, this government increasingly just does what the ndp asked or would have done in the first place do you think so? I mean, these increases seem pretty modest. It doesn't seem like they're giving that much. I mean, we're starting to get a risk that teachers and other people who are, you know, public workers aren't going to be able to afford to live anywhere near the communities they're intended to service. This goes for early childhood educators too, right? We want to create more childcare spots, uh, but we need people to work there. And in order to work there, you need a reasonable wage to be able to get by. And it's getting tougher on a teacher's salary. Teachers are very well paid, uh, and uh, they, we're going to give them even more money out of the pockets of people who aren't very well paid. Um, this, you, know, you know what? We've never been in this together. Uh, the, the government sector looks after themselves very well. Right, but these are not $95,000 a dollar year yeah. high school teachers. These are people working in daycare centers. Oh, okay, yeah. but the I, teachers I, are getting raises, and they are $95,000 uh, people who don't even work a full year. Jerry, Jerry, I take the opposite view. I think the government... Oh, it's very... over. The romance is over. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jerry, they, they've actually... Um, the government has negotiated a great deal for the government here. This looks good. They're preventing a strike in the public school system. And, um, you know, the, the increases are minimal, Jerry, based on what's going on right now. So, you know, teachers, they deserve as much as we can pay them. No, well, yeah, well, why? They are, they are among the best paid teachers on the entire planet, Courtney. And maybe it's a modest increase, but other people are trying to, they're crying at the grocery store because they're going backwards, not forwards. The environment minister says he's not going anywhere. I think he probably is. He's a hardcore environmentalist who was put in charge of the file, and now Justin Trudeau is starting to dismantle carbon taxes. And Vaz, I think it's inevitable that the carbon tax is going to end up being canceled down the way. So I think the environment minister is probably going to try to get out of the way of a moving freight train. I mean, people... <laughs> 
I don't know if people are reading too much into his comment. I think it's I think it's fair for people to stick to their principles. And if that is the case politically, that there will be more carve outs or pauses or delays related to the implementation. And he fundamentally disagrees with that, then he should have, you know, the agency and the ability to exit. I think it's a very we know it's a fragile government. We know it's a tense political climate and others may be looking to make a, you know, more principled exit instead of just losing uh, at the polls next election. Courtney Betty, I'd imagine he's in the spot that a lot of people I know who went to Ottawa, either as elected officials or as assistants to them, they got to the point where they said government never actually gets anything done. And in this case, if the carbon tax gets dismantled or even hived off, then I would say the environment minister is probably going to go in his solar powered huff and take off. Well, he, he may, John, but then you also have to look, I think as Baz pointed out, the political realities right now in Ottawa. So I think eventually you may have all of Trudeau's cabinet ministers, except for the ones that think at some point they're going to be in a leadership position trying to plan their exit strategy. Jerry? Well, I, I think that if the Liberal Party were smart, uh, well, first of all, they wouldn't take advice from me, but it, it seems like they should, as I've said on my show before, pull a McGinty. I think both the Prime Minister and the Environment Minister, who, by the way, is uh, is a fanatic, which is not what you want in a minister, I think the two of them should probably step down if there's going to be any chance for the Liberals to win, because this country is poised for a blue wave. Thank you, everybody. We're going to have to uh, draw the velvet rope there. Vas Bednar, Courtney Betty, and Jerry Agar on round one. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.